everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one does not. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, Youth Services Manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, Youth Services Specialist, and after almost a year of reading these books, I wish I could say I loved YA. Do you at least like it a little bit more than you did before? There are some titles that I like. Yes, that's progress. I mean, <laughs> hey, she's got a few titles. Well, what's everyone reading right now? I am uh, actually reading a graph- another graphic novel series. Um, you know, since it's October, I've been trying to both read and watch things that are maybe Halloween-y or spooky. But I'm reading The Witch Boy Trilogy by Molly Knox Ostertag. Oh, I love that trilogy. Yeah, I just finished book one and I'm starting book two. Uh, Book one is The Witch Boy, and book two is The Hidden Witch. It's a great series. It's probably more middle grade than actual YA, but it's a story about identity. In Aster's family, girls are raised to be witches, and boys are shapeshifters. But Aster knows that he is a witch. What are you reading, Patty? So I am reading a book that is not technically a YA book, but it definitely has teen appeal. It is called All Systems Read by Martha Wells. It is the first in the Murderbot Diaries. And it is delightful. It's very short. It's just kind of basically a novella. And it's a sci-fi book. And it's, it's fun to read. It is about an imitative human bot unit. They are nicknamed uh, Murderbots because they run security. And it is told from the Murderbots perspective they have hacked their own governance module so they don't have anybody in control of them and really all this murder bot wants to do is watch tv and listen to music and he is or i say he there is no gender associated with the the murder bot because they don't have genders because they're not human (laughs) If that makes sense. It's it's a little hard to explain unless you read it. And it's because it's from that that perspective of the murder bot. He never they never refer to themselves as as he or she or anything like that. So you don't have to worry about that if that makes sense. But it's a story of what happens on this one mission that the murder bot is working and he has to protect they have <laughs> murder bot. Murder bot has to protect these scientists and it's it's funny. And um, Murderbot is very sarcastic, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Sarah, what are you reading right now? I just finished a uh, humor novel called Waste of Space. You know me. I love spacey books. This one's by Gina D'Amico, and it is about a TV station that decides to... They've gotten heavily into reality TV, and they decide to do their next reality TV show with 10 teenagers trapped in a spaceship together. (laughs) But as it turns out, the teenagers aren't really in a spaceship. They just think they are. And so one by one, contestants are eliminated. So it's kind of a dive into, um, you know, the the culture that we have of reality TV. And there's, a like I said, it's a humor novel, so there's a lot of funny parts to it. And it's um, written kind of as a collection of... um, you know, transcripts of phone calls and emails and um, the script of like unaired pieces of the show versus aired pieces of the show. And I, I recommend it if you if you like me, like spacey things 
or if you like humorous things, or if you like reality TV. That actually sounds really good. Yeah, it was good. But not truly spacey, right? Not actually <laughs> spacey, although they think they're in space, yeah. so well, yeah. Because it costs a lot of money to send people into space, so it's much easier to just make them think they're in space. Right, and they have zero training. Like, they <laughs> they audition in a mall, and the next week they're in space, so... They should not go to space. Right. <laughs> That's a different story. And they've also been chosen, like, they cho- choose these contestants where they're like, oh, we need the one that's the country bumpkin and we need the one that's the take charge person and we need the one that's the hippie girl. And so they have not been chosen for their scientific knowledge. There's the (laughs) one that's chosen because she's a little bit unhinged, you know? (laughs) So, yeah. But let's get into what we're talking about today. Well, it was actually your turn to pick last time, Sarah. So why don't you continue taking it away? I know. I'm very excited about this one. I chose a book called The Ghost Tracks because I was trying to pick something that was spooky in honor of Halloween season. And so I will read you. Oh, this one's by Celso Hurtado. And um, here is the description. Erasmo Cruz is from the wrong side of the tracks. His dad was a junkie who overdosed. His mom chose to run off rather than raise him. His only passion is the supernatural, and his only family is his grandmother, whose aches and pains he soon learns aren't just from old age, but from cancer. Desperate to help his grandmother pay for treatment, Erasmo sets up shop as a paranormal investigator. After witnessing a series of inexplicable events, he must uncover the truth behind his client's seemingly impossible claims. From hauntings to exorcisms, Erasmo soon finds that San Antonio is a much scarier place than even he knew. Well, we'll start, I guess, with our cover talk. Yeah, we can actually yeah. do a cover talk because we're only talking about one book. Right. This is a little uh, segment we like to do in this podcast. Even though you guys can't see what we're looking at, we like to describe <laughs> it to you, which is so much fun for you, I'm sure. But we enjoy it. So this book has a green cover and it has a what appears to be a railroad track on the cover, um, but if you look more closely, the railroad tracks are constructed out of different crucifixes because this book does have uh, demon possession and exorcism in it, and I think the cover is quite eye-catching. I really do like the cover. I like the colors on it, but I just noticed, like seriously, just now, I was looking at the back of it, you can see ghostly presences in the um, marbling oh, on the back I cover. I had not noticed that either. That is cool. There are little people in there. Yeah. Wow. I don't see them. It looks like it's maybe a priest doing, because he looks like he's holding the crucifix. And then there's a a, a figure laying like prostrate. I, do, I don't like, see any of this. Do you see the figure laying oh, like right okay. here? Okay. Yeah, I see it now. Okay. But that I never you how saw that is. before. <laughs> I took. I was looking for it and couldn't see it. It's pretty clear to I me now that I yeah it. yeah. I didn't notice it, but I never actually looked at the back cover. I like it. I do too. I like it even more now as a cover. Well, I enjoyed this book. Um, this is Celso Hurtado's first published book, and I listened to an interview with him on a podcast called. Um, Typical Books, Horror Fiction Unbound. And he said that there was actually a um, contest from the publisher. Ink Shares. 
Yeah, there was a contest from the publisher, Inkshares, uh, to write a horror story, and his is the book that was chosen. So, admittedly, it's his first attempt at writing, and he is um, said that he didn't really know anything about writing when he started, so it took him five years, I think, to work on this book and um, had many drafts of it along the way. And I think it still kind of shows as a um, first-time writer. It's not as polished as it could be. However, I think that he is has potential to really write some good stuff, and there were a lot of things I enjoyed about this book. Uh, I enjoyed kind of the title, The Ghost Tracks. It ties into like a, not a, I'm not going to say a true ghost story, but it is a ghost story from San Antonio. Yes. Um, which they talk about in the book. I wish they had talked about it a little quicker. Earlier? Because there's like a big scene where something happens to Erasmo on the on the tracks. Right. But... You can definitely look up the ghost track story from San Antonio, and I think from Utah. I think so. That's the correct state, right? Right. Right. And I found that to be really interesting. I had some trouble with the gore, because yes. that's not my jam, and there is a dog scene that if you don't like hearing about mutilated animals, don't read it or listen to it. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes hearing about mutilated animals. I think there are some people out there that do. Well, they must. Hopefully they're I, not our listeners. My problem is that he spends more time than necessary describing things in great detail when they don't need to be described well, in great detail. I mean, that's that's what makes it a horror novel, though. I mean, if he just said, and then there was a dead dog, that's not really all that scary. It might be disturbing. But you really get freaked out because of the detail. Mm. I wanted to like this book because it's an independent publisher and it's um, a Latino author and main character. But I'll be honest with you: if we had not been reading this for the podcast, I would have, I would have, I would have put it down at after chapter two. The writing just isn't quite there yet for me, and I think hearing that that he. He'd never written anything before ever. That definitely shows. Um, it, it's that he, like at one time, he's he understands the concept of holding things back to um, intrigue your audience. You know, not not giving everything out at once, but he holds like everything back, and it it was it's difficult to describe what it is that made me so annoyed as I read this book, but I think I figured it out because I'm reading another book right now for later discussion on a different, a later episode of this podcast, and it's a mystery as well. And there are things that you find out and that are revealed about the main character. And there are things that happened before the book started, but have an impact on what the character is going through now. And they're revealed a little bit at a time. Like you find out, she talks about guy lies and what guy, what the guy lies are, the three big guy lies. And then you find out what happened to her that makes her think all guys lie. And then you find out, which guy it happened with. And then you find out more stuff that even she didn't know is revealed that happened about that. And it's, but it makes sense and it's revealed in a way that isn't frustrating. Whereas in this book, things that are happening 
in the story, we aren't told what actually happened until later. It's just an awkward way to tell a story, and it's not particularly satisfying to the reader if that is constantly Every time he did it, I rolled my eyes. Well, I didn't find that bothersome. I kind of um, appreciate it. It kind of made me want to turn the page and keep reading. And I think that that was the intention. It's like the like a teaser, like a cliffhanger moment where it's like, oh, now now there's a new mystery. I've got to find out the answer to this one. I'm going to keep reading. So I didn't. I did not find that troublesome. We'll say uh, it made me a little anxious, or maybe. Fresh, a little frustrated, maybe. But then looking back on it later, I was like, that's what horror is kind of supposed to do. And Build it is more of up. a horror than a mystery. I mean, it, it does have a mystery element, but I don't know. It, maybe it's that I just don't read horror and I don't get it. But like, I just, all I, I found myself actively angry at this book every time I had to listen to it. Well, I don't think that's just a device of horror, like the reveals, because the other book you're reading with the reveals isn't a horror. Um, does he use it a lot? Yes, he uses it a lot, but I didn't, it didn't irritate me the way it seems to have irritated you. He says in this interview that he tries hard to surprise his readers and he, when he writes, he tries to think about what is the most surprising thing that could happen. So like there's a scene early on where Erasmo sees something very disturbing and he vomits. So yep. he wrote that scene because he's like, this is the most you know, surprising thing is that whatever he sees is so shocking that it makes him vomit. But he said even when he wrote that, he didn't know what the shocking thing was going to be yet. So it took him like a few more months to come up with what is it that he's going to describe that Erasmo has seen to provoke that reaction. So part of it, I think, is the way his style of writing he tries to think of something like that's going to be like what will grab your attention and put that in there and then figure out where he's going with it. So, Whereas yeah. some writers probably have it all mapped out from the get-go and they know exactly where they're That's what heading. I was saying. He's not an outliner. Right. And it shows. <laughs> I just felt like... It, For some in a good way. Yeah, it didn't bother me. I felt like it kind of kept the pace faster in some ways. And I also feel like for a young audience, that might be more appealing because... Um, a lot of the shows, at least that I know my teenage daughter is into, involves a lot of like dun-dun-dun moments where, oh my goodness, now we have to find out what this is and we can't wait till the next episode. So I feel like this is sort of in line with that kind of style. But this book, like you said, it had a lot of um, disturbing things in it. It's a it's dark book. Did you guys feel like it was too dark for YA? Yes. No. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't. It, there are some kids that will be fine with it. I felt it was overly graphic and really disgusting at points. Um, I do necessarily so. I think that you could get that same scare in a way that isn't quite as graphic. And to me, I am more of a believer in the the unseen, like what you make up in your mind is scarier than like just blood and guts. And this is just blood and guts. It's not creepy. Uh, that is some people's jam. It's just not my jam. So yeah. as a, for a personal preference, that wasn't for me. And this may not have been a book I would have necessarily chosen to read myself. And I did have to read it for the podcast. So I did have to like go all the way through the book 
which let's be real, I would have anyway because I have a hard time not finishing books once <laughs> I start them. But the gore, yeah, got me. But I also feel like I the, don't like gory movies the plot either. It's so. kind of all over the place. Well, there's three different cases that Arasimu has to deal with, and he has he's trying to, um, you know, get to the bottom of each of these at the same time. At the so. same time, so it sort of jumps from case to case, and there is a little bit of interconnection between some of the cases. But yeah, so he goes from case to case. But I also felt like it it didn't make a lot of sense. Like it's kind of all over the place and it doesn't I I still fundamentally don't understand like there's the whole point is he needs to get money for his grandmother. At no point does he he makes like $200. He ends up in the hospital costing them more money. Uh I'm, I I don't understand why and 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 he he goes into this starting a paranormal investigation business and immediately assumes every case he gets isn't actually a paranormal investigation. Well, I think he's, yeah, naturally skeptical. I don't know that that's a flaw on his part. I just, I, I could not tell you anything about this boy except he likes milk. <laughs> and he has a friend named Rat. And I couldn't tell you anything except about Rat except he's got a big nose. And okay, like, well, there's a lot more about Rat that maybe you overlooked. Well, we know Erasmo has a grandmother, and his father died and he's, from an overdose. And he's pretty... Um, he had an uncle, Javier. He has a lot of questions. Who hates about, him for no reason. He has a lot of questions about where he came from. It's not no reason, and he didn't hate him. Yeah, he certainly seems to hate him, or at least Erasmo thinks he hates him. He was uncomfortable around him because he knew about his father and that the grandparents were keeping it a secret. Right. And that was uncomfortable for him. Having to keep that secret, so he wanted to keep him at a distance. You're giving this anyway. I kind of felt like that was talked about in the book. I think it was. It wasn't. Okay, we both remember saying it is. (laughs) No, I don't think so. At no point does he say, "I don't hate you." He he literally just also never says he hates him. He just never said that either. Yeah, or Rosmo says he hates him. I don't know that okay. I remember he saying it, but say he did say that. They have a conversation where his uncle like it's tells him the answer to and the questions and tells him what he needs to know, and then he throws up after it because that's he does that a lot too. Okay, <laughs> twice in times of high stress, Erasmo throws up <laughs> two times. I still want to know why he drinks all the milk. Because his but dad wrote milk on a I piece know. of paper one time. I, but I just wish that well, was explained. That's all I'm saying. It's also, well, it kind of is because they ex- they sort of explain in relation to his dad why he's so into paranormal in the first place. Somewhat. Yeah, just, they do. I mean, I, I think just, that's obvious once you, you know, get to that point in the book. I was also a little disappointed that given that it's called Ghost Tracks, there's not a whole lot of ghosts in here. There's one. There, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if oh. you count the ghost children, right? But yeah, and I thought that was interesting, though, because to me, part of the—I don't know if he's trying to get this message across, but to me, part of the like message, if there is such a thing, to this book is that true horror doesn't really even come from like these supernatural things. Like the he's dealing with one of these stories, like I said, is an exorcism and a demon. And when you find out really what's going on, like the truth is so much more horrible, I think, than what you imagined. 
when you think it's the demon. And I did call that. I just want to point that out. I'm not going to tell you what I called, <laughs> but I knew what was going on. I did too. So I think that that is part of the the story here is that human beings and some of the things that they you know put each other through or that they're dealing with with their own lives because he's dealing with Erasmus dealing with some things like pretty intense things cancer, racism, poverty, you know losing his parents, so he is an orphan. But those are, like, really more horrific than ghosts. Oh, oh, I admit, full on, the stuff that was, I would rather have a demon than, I mean, it was not. There should be a lot of trigger warnings on this book. <laughs> I think it's very clear from looking at Goodreads and reading reviews that some people really like this book, and this book was not written for me. Fair. I did not enjoy reading this book. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't, but maybe the next episode you'll like what we read better. I did not enjoy reading it either. <laughs> Only because of the, mostly because of the gore, but I can't I, like everything. I do not like his writing style. And it's, it's his sentence structure and the way he chooses to tell a story and just kind of everything about, I think even if he were a more experienced writer, I, it's just not for me. He's just not going to, it's not my jam. Well, yeah, I, it's not for everybody, but I feel personally like he's onto something here and I like kind of his um, teaser style of writing and I feel like some of the ideas he had in this book are really um, intriguing to me that would make me, if he were to write another book, I would want to read it because I feel like it's only going to go up. Well, we'll leave it to you listeners. If you read the ghost tracks and you, do you love it? Do you tolerate it? Or do you hate it? Do you even finish it? <laughs> Send us an email. Let us know. Yeah. This is probably one of the shorter talks we've had about a book, but mostly because, because of the way the, of the writing style, we can't really share a lot without spoiling. Yeah, we may have already tipped our hat too many times. We may have, <laughs> and sorry for that. Well, do you have any read-alikes, other books that you would suggest if somebody wants to read a spooky story in this time of year? I have another book I found disturbing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she's like, well, I found this one disturbing, and I have another one. <laughs> yeah, so if you like disturbing... Uh, you should check out The Mary Shelley Club by Goldie Moldovsky. And I'm recommending it more for the season and the thriller elements. And you know that I said it was disturbing. But it's one I almost chose to talk about for the Stab You in the Back to School episode because it does take place and with, with like a school setting. It's about Rachel who is struggling to fit in as a scholarship student at her new school, Manchester Prep. When she's caught in a prank gone badly, she catches the attention of the Mary Shelley Club, which is a secret club of students at the school, who try to come up with scary pranks to orchestrate real fear in their victims. The pranks, of course, escalate and even turn deadly, and now Rachel must find the real-life monster in her midst. Who wants to go next? <laughs> I'll go. All right, Patty, take it away. Um, so I, like I said, don't read a lot of horror or really spooky stuff and I don't enjoy being scared, but I, I so I had to, I had to look <laughs> for something that I have read that is similar and I wouldn't say it's 
particularly similar. It it does involve it's a spooky season book. It involves zombies, which is hilarious because I I I say I don't like zombies and yet I've recommended like four zombie books on this podcast. And this book, again, it's one of those ones that's technically not cataloged as young adult, but it but it appeals to young adults. I believe it was an Alex award winner, which is the adult books for young adult category. But it's called Feed by Mira Grant. And it's book one in the News Flesh trilogy. And in this book, in the year 2014, we had cured cancer and we have a cure for the common cold, except they combined and created zombies. Oops. Yeah. (laughs) And these books are set 20 years after what they call the rising. And it's set in America and it's all about two bloggers, um, Georgia and Sean Mason, and they get to follow a presidential candidate, Senator Ryman, around on his campaign. And someone is trying to sabotage the campaign and assassinate President Ryman. They use zombies to do it. And Georgia and Sean get caught up in this big conspiracy that turns out to be larger than uh, just an assassination attempt on a presidential candidate. And it is a story of the, what they go through. And it's, it's zombies, but it's not about, like the zombies are there as a device to set up the world, but the zombies aren't really a big part of the story, if that makes sense. It's more about the governmental control that happens because of the zombies and um, the different things that the way society has changed because there are zombies. But um, we, we, we still have a society and we're having a presidential election and the internet still exists and there's all sorts of security checkpoints and things you have to go through. And it's just an interesting world that she has created in this, in this book. So there you go. It's spooky. It's got zombies. It's got presidential campaigns. It's got election politics. It's very good. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. What about you, Sarah? Uh, Well, I read another spooky one because I like spooky ghost stories and things like that. And this one is more on the ghost side and the ghosts are actually characters in this book. It's called The Girl from the Well by Rin Chupeko. And um, it is told from the point of view of Okiku, who is the ghost of a Japanese girl who was murdered many centuries ago. But she, her ghost is still around, and it, um, she goes around seeking revenge and taking lives of other people who harm children in particular. And she meets in her wanderings a, a boy named Tark in America who is possessed by a different Japanese ghost who is not as friendly as Okiku is. And so Tark's cousin Callie ends up trying to um, figure out what is going on with Tark? His body is covered with tattoos that his mother um, put on him when he was a child. And she can tell that there's something going on with Tark. And the mother is now in a mental institution, so they really can't get to the bottom of that. So, But basically, Callie and Okiku end up trying to kind of save Tark from the ghost that is possessing him. So it's kind of um, based on a Japanese folktale called Okiku and the Nine Plates. And if you like learning from about ghosts and things like that from a different culture, because this involves a lot of Japanese folklore around ghosts and spirits, 
this might be a good book to to check out. It also does have, I will warn you, if you don't like disturbing, there are disturbing depictions of death. Perfect for the Halloween season. So what are we going to talk about on our next episode? Well, there's another Heritage Month coming up. So we're going to tackle that again. Excited? Ah, Native American Heritage Month. Exactly. Excited to read uh, several more books. Yeah. You know, actually, I am currently reading one for that, and I am really enjoying it. So, yes, I can't wait to talk about these books because there are some really good things out there right now. And I'm learning a lot. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know that I'm picking up from these books, which is cool. This has been another episode of Spill It by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Catherine. I'm Patty. And I'm Sarah. And we want you to join us next time as we share some great titles to read during Native American Heritage Month. Or really, just read them anytime. That's right. You don't have to wait for November. You can read them in April. You can read them in May. You should be reading them in April and May. They're really good. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading. <laughs>